0: Welcome to The Perspectrum, I'm Nathan Seelove.
1: And I'm Michael Bloom.
0: And today we have a really exciting episode for you all. We are going to be talking about infrastructure, because of course we are, because that's all yeah. we've been talking about for the last through like few weeks. To be
1: fair, we keep calling it infrastructure, it's really like Biden's whole agenda and the future. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah pretty much. Uh, then we're going to have a conversation about Facebook, or as my mother would call it, the
1: Facebook. Sure, sure, Retro. Um,
0: and then we're going to have a discussion about where the line can be drawn when it comes to protesting, specifically when protesting uh, senators and people in power. So that's going to be a fun conversation.
1: Yeah, that should be interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about today's episode,
1: bro. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Excited too, and uh, ready to ready to get into some topics that are not all depressing. Yeah, yeah, a little depressing. But not I was all about to depressing. say which which yeah. topics are <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs>
1: They're a little more lighthearted than like, yeah. you know, I don't know, yeah. bombing people, which we talk about a lot.
0: That of. is true. We've been talking a lot about bombing people. Yeah. Also, also, uh, one of the things that we were talking about last night that we've noticed is that we've been starting to get a little bit away from the original intention of the good actually segment.
1: Mm. Yeah. Most of
0: the time that we do good actually nowadays, it's To point out when somebody is calling somebody out who deserves to be called out. Yeah,
1: it's hard to find, like, purely good things.
0: (laughs) But uh, today we actually have a purely good, good actually that will hopefully make you feel good. Yeah. So
1: so looking forward forward to that. that. Um,
0: But you know what doesn't make me feel good?
1: Oh, gosh. Here it comes.
0: The COVID numbers.
1: All right. So worldwide, at this point, we've hit uh, 237 million cases which is up from 234 million last week. So that's 3 million new cases in a week or about 430,000 new cases a day, which is pretty much the same place we've been for the past two weeks. Um, Worldwide deaths have reached 4.85 million, uh, up from 4.79 million last week. So that's about 60,000 new deaths this week or about 8,600 deaths per day. Um, which is actually a pretty big increase from 7,100 deaths per day last week. Um, so cases flat, deaths are going up. Um, <clears throat> vaccination world wi- worldwide, we've reached 47.3 percent of the population with at least one dose, which is up from 46.4 percent last week. So just under a one percent increase. Um, in the U.S. at this point, we've hit. 45 million cases, which is up from 44.3 million last week. So that's about 700,000 new cases in a week, or about 100,000 cases a day, uh, which is actually down from 114,000 cases a day from the week prior. Um, On on the death front, we're kind of flat. So we've reached 729,000 deaths in the U.S., which is up from 715,000 deaths. Uh, last week so that's 14,000 new deaths in a week which is again about 2,000 deaths per day or about where we were last week so worldwide cases are flat deaths are going up in the U.S. uh, uh, cases are going down and deaths are about flat Um, and so far in the U.S. about 56 percent of the population is fully vaccinated and 65 percent have one dose which is exactly where we were last week no increase. Hmm. Where's that mandate, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, I feel like it should be taking effect at this point, shouldn't it? Like, did it? Was it? It delayed? was never.
1: It was never written down. Like, the mandate has the executive order has not gone out. It was announced that it was the plan was out there. Now, the, on unlike the the executive order for federal employees was propagated uh, or i guess should say promulgated um but i don't know when that goes into effect biden (laughs) come on bro yeah (laughs) he's busy we
0: were were giving you credit (laughs) for announcing you were gonna do the thing now do the damn thing
1: (laughs) yeah he's gonna he's Uh, gonna do it he's he's over you know he's traveling around the country saying no no i'm i'm gonna do it i'm really gonna do it
0: (laughs) okay 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 good just do it just do it. Yeah. You know, just uh, just Shia LaBeouf that shit. <laughs> you know, um, I I'm trying to come up with something uh, witty to say. I got I got nothing. Like I mean, COVID been, is still a thing. Yeah, and it's been a thing for the last it's coming up on two years now. Yeah, almost. I'm tired of this shit. Get fucking vaccinated. Exactly. Please.
1: With a cherry on top. It's, it's so hard to keep saying the same thing. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. But we have to do it. Yeah. So, speaking of saying the same thing, <laughs> let's, let's talk, talk about, about infrastructure. infrastructure. <laughs> so, last week, uh, we you might have noticed that the pod ended before there was a conclusion to all of the drama that was happening in the House of Representatives with regard to having a vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. So what happened, Michael? Nothing,
1: <laughs> which is like the best thing that could have happened at the time, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So just a reminder: so the bipartisan infrastructure bill, one point two trillion dollars, addresses a bunch of traditional infrastructure. Uh, this is tied and has been tied by um, for months by the progressive wing of the party to a the build back better agenda, which is currently a three point five trillion dollar plan that over the next 10 years will like completely you know sure well not completely will shore up our social safety net and provide for a number of social programs or quote human infrastructure um that the biden administration has promised and so you know these these two bills have been tied together for months as a strategy which we've talked about a couple times of trying to get the progressive bill passed by tying it and requiring you know it to pass in order to pass uh, the, the more widely, uh, you know, congressionally supported bill, uh, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Um, yeah. So there was this big question last week, were they going to force a vote on the infrastructure bill and test whether progressives would hold the line and, and kill the infrastructure bill in order to preserve the, um, the opportunity to try to pass the, the human infrastructure, the build back better bill. Um, yeah. And we, we called Pelosi's bluff. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, she, she, she blinked before we could.
1: Yeah, I guess that's right. Because we didn't have to stick to the line. She, she lost the game of chicken.
0: So, so what's interesting here is she seems to be confident that she could whip, whip up the votes. And I just want to, I just want us to talk a little bit about why that is the reason is very simple. Progressives are almost always encouraged and pressured to just give up. Like they're, they're encouraged and pressured to give up and give in. And they very frequently do. Mm -hmm. And I would say that sometimes I understand why progressives do it. Yeah. Because in some cases, like, if if a, if a if there's a moderate plan out there, all right. If there's a moderate plan out there that doesn't do nearly enough, progressives have much more of a desire to get the American people something yeah. than the conservative Democrats do. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for conservative Democrats to just be like, okay, well, fuck you, then we're deucing out. If you're not going to support this, like these crumbs that we just gave you, then, you know, sure. Then we're just going to take it all away because we don't care. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to keep getting paid by corporations. We're going to keep getting reelected because they're going to keep paying our bills. Mm. All right. You know, we don't, we don't care.
1: Yeah. progressives. But progressives actually do care. Yeah. They want something rather than nothing. Which,
0: which, you know, actually caring puts progressives into a really awkward position. So in this specific case, we have a bill, where the, the the bipartisan bill has just enough giveaways to corporations to warrant conservative Democrats like Kirsten Cinema mm-hmm. and Joe Manchin and and to Republicans to support. and some Republicans too to support it. Like not just you know begrudgingly throw their vote at it, but to actively support it and want it passed. Yeah, which gives progressives a very unique bargaining chip, because the way I see it, and the way that a lot of progressives see it at this point, progressives in Congress, is that the the traditional infrastructure bill, you know, we have talked about some of the issues that it has in terms of uh, in terms of asset recycling, but for the most part, it does have some good provisions, but at this point. Progressives are treating that like it's just the cherry on top. That sure. the real thing is the human infrastructure bill. The real agenda, the, the, co- the yeah. necessary agenda, is the human infrastructure bill. And you know, to, to use the to continue using the analogy I just gave, you need a cake to put a cherry on top of it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: without the cake, you just have a cherry. It's just
1: cherry. <laughs> cherries are gross. Yeah, I don't even like cherries. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: Um, so, so this almost became a perfect storm for progressives to finally show, no, we're, we're going to hold the line on this. We will tank your mediocre bill if you don't give in. Yeah. And the entire time, Nancy Pelosi must have just thought that they were bluffing and they didn't. So there's two takeaways that we should have that we actually, there's three takeaways that we should have from this. The first takeaway is. Is the fact that progressives can fight. All right. Progressives have power. All right. Number two, progressives should fight mm-hmm. because the next time something like this happens, Pelosi's going to remember that, you know, when, when progressives held the line and she's more likely to not assume that they're bluffing.
1: Yeah. It really improves your negotiating position when the other side doesn't believe that you're going to quit.
0: Yeah, and three, and this is something that I kind of went back and forth on for the last few months ever since this whole discussion started. Nancy Pelosi is not your friend. Mm -hmm. She's not. I mean, for for, for progressives, for progressive activists, she's not your friend. She's not your enemy. Yeah. Necessarily, but she's not your friend. You know, your enemy is Republicans. Mm Mm-hmm. You know your enemies are Republicans and arguably like Kirsten Cinema and and Joe Manchin. Yeah. Um. But Nancy Pelosi is not your friend, mm-hmm. which means that she is somebody that can do the right thing, but she always has to be bullied into doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have so, to give her the right carrots and sticks in order to make her exactly yeah. yeah
0: exactly so we can't expect her to be an activist for us mm-hmm. and i mean for a while i thought i was actually you know i was actually giving her credit because it looked like she was actually going to be an activist for this but of course that changed um what progressives need to take away from this is that nancy pelosi is not going to be your friend don't try to be her friend bully her into doing the right thing yeah that's what you did this time and it worked yeah all right it worked you still have leverage.
1: Yeah. And a couple takeaways for us is like something that's really changed that has put progressives in this more powerful position, aside from the juxtaposition of these two bills is that there are more progressives now, you know, numbers really, really matter. And I think when I'm going to go ahead and say, when, when that, uh, both of these bills pass, we've kind of reached some measure, some modicum of success on the progressive agenda. I think that will be a really good argument for turning out for progressives as much as possible, pushing the democratic primary like party to, you know, primary more moderate Democrats in favor of more progressive Democrats, because like every single seat matters growing the caucus matters. You don't have to, you know, we're a long way from progressives being the majority uh, yeah. But you don't have to have them be the majority um, because, you know, they find, you know, there's lots of ways to find leverage.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I do also want to make clear because the talking point that a lot of people make and a lot of people might think when they hear um, primary Democrats with more progressive candidates is uh, is this narrative of, you're just pushing extremism or you're just pushing uh, You're, You know, you, you, you can't be satisfied unless they agree with you on absolutely everything. Um, You're trying to push for ideological purity. So I think that that is either a, I would say it's either an ignorant talking point or a dishonest talking point, depending on who makes it because the problem that i have with a lot of democrats is not just that they disagree with me on certain issues it's why they disagree with me mm-hmm. all right and the reason why a lot of a lot of these democrats disagree is not because they have honest ideological disagreements it's because they're corrupt mm-hmm. it's because they take money from organizations and then do their bidding so one example that I want to talk about specifically, because you know, I feel like we focused so much on Joe Manchin last week, yeah, and I, I felt kind of guilty. We didn't we didn't give Kirsten Cinema her limelight of uh, <laughs> a, a spotlight and just how how corrupt she is. Um, and and I feel bad as somebody that has actually met her, um, and and knows how capable she is. I feel like the fact that I I didn't give her corruption the spotlight that that it deserved <laughs> that I, I was doing her a disservice. Yeah,
1: that's true. I mean, you should talent, you know, should be, should be noted. And she's talented at, you know, getting Corruption. donations and being <laughs> corrupt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's good at that.
0: So one of the, one of the big numbers that I want to point out is during Kirsten cinema's career, she is raked in, more than $500,000 from donors in the pharmaceutical and health products industry, which makes her the sixth largest Senate Democrat recipient of campaign cash from those industries in this current election cycle. And that's, that's according to, 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 open secrets. All right. There was a pro cinema ad that came out in Arizona. Uh, it, happened i believe uh on september 9th and it was put out by this organization called uh center forward you know now on the surface it sounds oh they're just a centrist organization that pushes centrism uh yeah and guess who they're bankrolled by Exxon. um no <laughs> uh, <laughs> in this case it's the uh the pharmaceutical research and manufacturers of america great which is basically the dc drug lobby yeah 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 Um, and the moment they put out this ad, she immediately comes out against one of the more popular provisions of the bill. Mm -hmm. So one of the provisions of the bill is that, uh, and this is according to, um, uh, Jacobian magazine, uh, it would allow Medicare to use its bulk purchasing power to negotiate lower drug prices. And in fact, um, it's estimated that this would save the government $456 billion over 10 years. And it would reduce drug prices by 57 to 75% relative to current prices. And she's against that. That
1: is unambiguously good. Literally, that's a bipartisan thing. Everybody yeah. thinks that they should be able to negotiate drug prices.
0: Yeah. Pulling on that specific on renegotiating drug prices that's like in the 70 or 80% region
1: that's like something that Trump promised to do
0: yeah however a an organization that's funded by a pharmaceutical company puts out an ad in favor of Kirsten Cinema and immediately after that she she flips And in 2018, when she first got elected, she ran.
1: One of the things that she ran on was renegotiating drug prices. That's, that's like, that's been a really interesting thing as we've talked about Kirsten cinema on this show a few times. And I've kind of learned more about her. It's like her positions have changed so much. Yeah. And it's hard to, to conclude that it's anything less than like, getting benefits from you know and doing the bidding of of the people that provide funding for her and 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 ads and stuff like that yeah like that's just it's blatant
0: she's she's not your friend i would i would almost i would probably put her on your enemies list at this point
1: i can't it really blows my mind that she's against yeah medicare negotiating drug prices that's like such a basic thing and importantly it's not even, it doesn't even pretend to be consistent with the, the spending like emphasis that she and Manchin have had. Oh, well, we can't do yeah. this bill because it's too expensive. This would save money. This would this save, save money. money.
0: This would save $456 billion over 10 years. Yeah,
1: that's literally, that's, yeah, <laughs> like, like, that goes, that brings us almost from their baseline of 1.5. With that in there, then we get to 2 billion or 2 trillion. Like, hey, we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like they're, they are, yeah, are clearly like refusing to play ball in any significant way. And it seems like it's like because of this corruption bullshit.
0: Yeah. So so don't let them tell you that this is just an ideological disagreement and progressives are just asking for too much. Yeah. And they're being a bunch of little children yeah. that are taking their ball and going home because they didn't get everything they want. No, what this is is that there are life saving provisions of this policy that Kirsten Cinema is against people if, if this is not included in the bill, there will be people that that die that would not have if it had been included into it because they couldn't afford the drugs that they needed. Yeah. There will be people that die because of this. Yeah. And Kirsten Cinema, you think she doesn't know that? Of course she knows that. Yep. And she doesn't care because she is receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars from pharmaceutical companies. They're paying mind. her to take a specific position.
1: And that's it that, is corruption. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, that, that's one of the things that really bothers me about this whole process is the way that Manchin and Cinema both have been thwarting this incredibly important valuable piece of legislation by continuing to move the goalposts they continue to say hey we'll do this and be like actually you gave us that but we're gonna back off like like you know taking out the provision to negotiate drug prices or um mansion has recently come out and said yeah we're gonna need the hyde amendment to be included in this which will prevent any federal funds from from going towards abortion he's literally just adding things to wish i could kill this bill list it's like, <laughs> it's like and i'm like why throw that in it doesn't matter to your like legislative like like it doesn't matter to your top line number the thing you've been pushing the reason you're against this bill is it's too expensive but now it's like you're you're gonna say you have to have this amendment in there or it's dead because all of a sudden you're there now against like helping people get abortions or whatever it's like yeah it drives me nuts and the crazy thing is they in a classic move by moderate Democrats are trying to convince us that it's the progressives that are messing this process up, that it's the progressives that are not being, that are not acting in good faith. Cinema said, quote, good faith negotiations require trust. Over the course of the year, democratic leaders have made conflicting promises that could not all be kept. And have, at times, pretended that differences of opinion within our party did not exist, even when those disagreements were repeatedly made clear uh, directly and publicly. Canceling the infrastructure vote further erodes that trust. More importantly, it betrays the trust of the American people uh, have placed in our elected leaders and denies our country crucial investment to expand economic opportunities. And then she said, I have never and would never agree to any bargain that would hold one piece of legislation hostage to another.
0: That's literally what she's it's fucking doing. Literally that what is you did. So God, she is gaslighting it, exactly, so hard. Exactly. And the progressives were like hey,
1: But just you know, it's March. We're gonna try to get this bill through. These bills are gonna be tied together just to be clear. The bills are connected, just be clear, that's what's gonna happen. The bills are connected. And then they're like, Oh, they weren't acting in good faith when they told us what they were gonna do and then they did it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And also mutual trust fuck you. You're corrupt. We don't trust you. That's the nobody
1: thing. fucking trusts you because you are corrupt people. Have, and you have flipped yeah. on this because of your corruption. The, and the thing, and, it, and it's so obvious that mansion <clears throat> and cinema don't really have strong reasons why they're against this bill. They're just trying to hold it up because like progressives and, and Biden and moderates are going to them and saying, okay, what do you need what's what'll it do you know like how how are we gonna make this happen and they've they've continued to either say things and then change their answer or be vague enough that there's nothing you know that you can't actually legislate on that basis It's and like I hate the it's fact, just total bad faith
0: I hate the fact that they're trying to claim that it's compromise. At this point, like at this point, we need to compromise from the three point five trillion dollar position, which leaves out the fact that the three point five trillion dollar position was in and of itself a compromise. Yeah. Bernie wanted six. Yeah. All right. Bernie wanted six. This was the compromise. Yeah. This is the I mean, this is what always happens with Democrats. All right. They compromise. Then they do a compromise of the compromise. Then they do a compromise of the compromise of the compromise. Mm-hmm. And eventually they settle on, let's make things 1% better. Yeah. And then things get 1% better. And then Americans are like, okay, well, not much has changed yeah, in the you last few years since, since Democrats better, were elected. So... Yeah, not much has changed. So why should I show up for Democrats? And then Republicans get elected and Republicans fuck everything up. And then everybody realizes, oh, yeah, we forgot. Republicans are terrible. We'll put Democrats back in there. And then Democrats go back in there and they do nothing. And everybody realizes, oh, yeah, we forgot. Democrats also suck. Yeah. Like that's that's been what has happened. Yeah. That's what keeps happening. And it's, and it's we what's going to happen this time. And we will lose midterms if we don't pass this bill. We might still lose it, but mm-hmm. we're definitely definitely going to lose it if we don't give the American people something.
1: Yeah yeah and now and now Biden, who's actually been pretty good at holding the line for this, right like he's actually been like pushing for this three point five trillion dollar bill I mean, it's his fucking agenda yeah. um he, in a call with progressives, you know, according to i think it was the washington post report um is now asking for the bill to be one point nine to two point two trillion, yeah, and then. And unfortunately, like, the, the, the reality is that progressives had a win in the staring contest last week. Yeah. But the bill won't be $3.5 It won't cover all the things. They will have to make difficult, painful trade-offs that will provide less to the American people. Yeah. Um, so there was actually one proposal, one idea that AOC had, which I actually think this
0: might be a clever tactic, which is basically... Um, so so this, this bill would fund a lot of this stuff over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So her idea was don't take the funding away from anything in particular, but make it last for five years.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So that way... You get another chance to do the bill. Well,
0: you get another chance years. to do the bill. And also, I mean, this is clever because what often happens is when you create these these welfare systems, you know, this is basically what happened under Medicare and social security is once Americans get a taste of it, they're like, I love this. This is great. And it becomes politically unfeasible for even Republicans to try to fight against it. So the next time, you know, there's a, there's a vote for, for funding of these programs Mm -hmm. after, after five years, they have to vote for it. And, and I do want to, I do want to, you know, make another point about that real quick, just to, just to, Make it one thing clear: the 3.5 trillion dollars is distributed throughout ten years. Yes, it, All right, exactly. So, a lot of a lot of Republicans and conservative Democrats have been fearmongering about the number 3.5 trillion dollars, as if we're just going to throw that into, you know, we're we're just going to throw that into one, uh, one deficit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the actual amount, uh a year that they would be spending is actually half than the United States military
1: budget. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. The United States military budget is like 705 billion over 10 years. That's $7 trillion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: yet, and yet Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema has, have consistently voted to increase the military budget. Yeah. So don't you fucking tell me that you care about the deficit. You don't give a shit about the deficit
1: yeah it's amazing <clears throat> how blatant their their bad faith yeah uh, arguments are i think they're really just like mansion for sure is just banking on being the only democrat they can get elected in, in west virginia <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i don't know what the fuck here's to, to me to neither expect. she does maybe, not have maybe. to do this
0: Maybe she, maybe she's banking on uh, not being in Congress for much longer. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then getting a cozy corporate lobbying job.
1: Maybe, maybe that's the thing. But I think your point about corruption is key because she, her strategy has been so inscrutable to me. Mark Kelly is supporting this, right? And he's like Arizona, and he's not that more ideologically left. He's no cinema. progressive. He's no progressive. It's not politically costly to do this in Arizona. I don't yeah. know what. Her strategy is it's other not politically than politically costly in a to bunch do it money. in West Virginia. W- yeah, I think that's true. I think
0: they that's support true. this stuff. Like, if you, if it, the provisions that this, that this provides pull like phenomenally well in West Virginia, yeah, all right. In terms of economics, like West, West Virginia knows they need Democrats. help, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. West Virginians are with Democrats on most issues economically, yeah, um, maybe not socially, but definitely economically. So I guess the last question that I think we should answer and, and think about is at this point, I think it's abundantly clear that the final version of the bill will not be 3.5 trillion. Yeah. And we should never forget that, by the way. We should never forget that we're getting less because of these two sons of bitches. Yeah. I'm going to um, move to
1: Arizona so I can vote against it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so we should never forget that. But we still need to try to get something. Yeah. So, I guess the question is what is acceptable at this point. I mean, I I do like AOC's idea yeah, about a potential compromise where you you keep everything funded but you just do it for 5 years instead of 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um but then the question still remains, what is the top line number? And for me, I I would say 2.5 trillion is annoying. 2 trillion is angering. And anything
1: under 2 trillion
0: is just
1: fuck you. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't like, to me, I don't have a number in mind. I don't really care about the number, up or down. Yeah. I want the programs that are being promised. And to the extent that yeah. the number indicates better funding for more programs, I'm yeah. all for it. So like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. If, like I, I would want to see the accounting of like where all that money is going. And we've seen some, yeah, that's a good point. Some versions of those things. Um, but it does seem like if the, if, if, the bill that we really wanted was six the bill that is is like still good and we're excited about it is three and a half like there's a lot i think there's gonna have to be a lot of priorities taken off the table if it goes yeah. down to one and a half and that's something i don't want to see happen. and now it's time for a more lighthearted segment good actually so nathan why do we do good actually because the world sucks. Yeah. But sometimes,
0: if you look really hard, and you know, if you if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that usually you have to look really, really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah. And in fact, oftentimes the things that you're looking at are are even worse. <laughs> but then you look even harder, and you realize, oh wait, there's actually something good mm-hmm. good there. And then you look uh, even harder, something... and you realize
1: there's something bad underpinning the good thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But that is not what we're talking about today. <laughs> so what is our good actually today, Michael?
1: Today, I think, is something that is unmitigated good. And that is that recently, uh, the WHO, um, on Wednesday, in fact, endorsed the world's first malaria vaccine for use in children.
0: Woo! That is
1: huge news. So malaria is a huge killer. It, it kills more than 400,000 people a year and and... In the early two thousands, in the aughts, when it was like, when before a lot of steps had been taken to address this with non-vaccination, you know, with non-vaccines, you know, it was killing way more than that. So four hundred thousand people a year, about two hundred and sixty thousand of them are African children under five years old. Hmm. Well over half of all deaths, uh, of all malaria deaths, are are African children, and now the WHO has approved the first vaccine ever. Now. Initial findings are not the most exciting. Now you know. Now that we're getting used to these cushy ninety percent effective vaccines, initial findings have found that this reduces severe malaria um, by about you know cases by about thirty percent in vaccinated children. Um, but encouragingly, in combination with anti-malaria medications, it re- it can reduce deaths. Um, Really, really significantly, so like yeah. we you know the combination of all the effort and money and, and focus on this issue is actually making progress, and the approval of the first vaccine for malaria for children is like it's amazing it's going to save thousands and thousands of lives, and that's yeah. awesome
0: that is unmitigatedly unmitigated unmitigated. An unmitigated good thing.
1: <laughs> I completely agree.
0: <laughs> and that's good actually.
1: So for our next segment, uh, we're talking about Facebook. How water's wet. A wat- we're talking about water and how, how damn wet it is. Yeah. 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 No, it that's actually funny. As <laughs> we were like preparing for this episode and, yeah. and I was doing research and reflecting on the week, we realized that like it, three... Huge news stories broke this week. All of which were like, duh. (laughs) Like, like the French Catholic church has been hiding sexual abusers for 70 years. Yeah. Duh. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, uh, billionaires hide their money in offshore accounts. My niece knows that she's eight and Facebook knowingly, Causes harm to mental health and our societal fabric. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, in other news, uh, the other day I was I was in the woods and there was a bear taking a shit.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I wish <laughs> I'd seen that. I've I, I've never seen a bear. <laughs> but uh, if they if they poop, it's definitely it's, in it's... the woods. <laughs> but that's the thing. So I so I think. One of the reasons we're talking about this, and we'll we will get, I think, to the billionaire thing. We're probably not going to talk about the Catholic Church thing, because, like, you know, that's not our shtick. But I think it's really important to continue to talk about these things because, yeah. Yes, we research indicates these things are happening; these harmful effects are there. I think it's really important for us to to, to remain committed to the evidentiary. Basis of our arguments, you know having even better evidence having even better information is always a good thing and In this case, I think it's like I think it's newsworthy um, Because like people have been Pointing in this direction for a long time. I think this is the first time when we've been able to point at documents like words written by Facebook employees studies done by Facebook That are all saying, not only is this platform harmful in a lot of ways, um, Facebook knowingly sets it up in such a way that is particularly harmful.
0: And, again, to me, I still think that's the most obvious thing in the world. Sure. Yeah. But, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, he's not a good guy. He's not. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: he's... (laughs) I I I don't think I need to allow. I don't think he's. That.
1: I don't think he's either of those things. I don't think he's good, and I don't think he's a human being.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I. But. But it, I guess it is important to look at some of the research, and I think I actually did. Like when I read more about this, I did change my perspective a little bit. Yeah. Um. On uh, what I think the solution should be. Mm-hmm. Um. It went from basically me me hearing about this and kind of taking a more libertarian approach to it to me hearing about it and thinking i don't know if that is acceptable
1: yeah or at least i
0: I don't i don't know if just taking the libertarian approach is completely acceptable for this i don't know where the line is i don't know what my solution for this would be yeah Mm.
1: But let's I think, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know? think the information really helps us, though, right? Like, yeah, like yeah. it 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 can add a lot of depth and texture to the conversation because it no longer has to be a conversation about, um, like yeah. should Facebook police the truth? It can be a conversation about okay, how should Facebook prioritize what it shows its users? Because it has yeah. to make that choice, right? There's no. Yeah possible way for facebook not to make that choice so they if they can make it in a way that's less harmful that seems pretty reasonable to me but we'll get into it yeah
0: so i guess the first thing that i want to talk about would be the mental health effects uh specifically on on kids specifically on uh on younger girls so uh one of the leaked studies from facebook found that uh, 13.5% of UK teen girls said that their suicidal thoughts became more frequent after starting on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So these these focus more on Instagram, but Facebook owns Instagram. Yeah. Another leaked study found that 17% of teen girls said that their eating disorders got worse after using Instagram. Another one found that 34% Said that they felt bad about their bodies, and that Instagram made them feel worse. Yeah, and these were Facebook's researchers. Yeah, they knew that this was that this was happening. Yeah, they didn't try to take any steps to to prevent it. They didn't try to take any steps in order to like maybe adjust their algorithm. Yeah. And they have lied they to the public.
1: Like Zuckerberg yeah, they has didn't said, even no, tell people. Not harmful.
0: Yeah, they didn't even tell people about this. Like yeah. Mark Zuckerberg. Basically came out in response to this and said, "Oh, uh, we we're not trying to make people sad. Yeah, oh, making people sad is bad for business. It's like no, it's not. <laughs> Objectively, that's not true. Making people angry or sad can be very good for business, especially when the way that you, the way that your algorithm prioritizes certain posts is." is based on ones that get reactions. The more reaction that a post gets, the more likely it is to be recommended to somebody. And the problem with that is that inflammatory content, fake news or conspiracies or imagery that, that can potentially affect the, the, um, the bodily image of teenage girls Mm -hmm is going to fall under that category and it's going to be suggested over and over and over again because it gets engagement yes it's not based on what was recently posted it's based on what has gotten the most engagement
1: yeah exactly what's more likely to keep you on the platform and people so activists like tristan harris who's a former computer scientist and Was one of the creators of The Social Dilemma, which is a documentary on Netflix, has been like talking about this for a long time. Like, there have been people pointing at this the problem with algorithms like this. You know, YouTube uses a similar one where its whole thing is keep you on the platform. So, whatever keeps you on the platform and whatever gets the most engagement is what is going to be algorithmically recommended. And the things that do that are extreme things. And so, as a result, it pushes people. To the extremes, yeah. Um, and the thing is, at this kind of this leak of information, shows that Facebook knows that this is an inherent problem with their algorithm, and they think it's totally worth it. Um, yeah. So, so, so what actually, so what's kind of a, transpired to like dial you know the conversation back a little bit is that a former product manager for Facebook who left in May has and took with her thousands of documents um has filed um multiple eight complaints with the sec uh alleging that the company is hiding research about its shortcomings from investors and the public um provided those documents also to the wall street journal and has uh, provided testimony before congress on this topic um and so this is this is francis uh, Hagen and her legal team is also um, you know interacting with the Federal Trade Commission the European Parliament the French government because we have to remember also like Facebook is not a domestic product it is an international product yeah it has and in fact far-reaching imp- impacts across the world
0: and in fact there are actually businesses around the world where Facebook is basically their unofficial website. Oh yeah, like that's that's how they advertise to people. That's how they tell people when their their when their business is closed, when it opens. Like it's effectively their website. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of there are a lot of economies around the world that rely on Facebook. Yeah, a lot of small yeah. businesses that rely on Facebook.
1: Yeah, it's a really um, important tool. It's also yeah. a very potentially dangerous tool if used in the in the wrong way. Which it's in it's so th- that's the thing that that another real big takeaway from this testimony in these documents is not only that Facebook knowingly sets up its algorithm in such a way that the most extreme views and often the most harmful content. Is what's shown to you the most Um, the whole company is set up in order to drive home that purpose right yeah Um, Hagan said quote the thing I saw at Facebook over and over again was there were conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook and Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interests like making more money so for example things like Pay, like bonuses being contingent on, um, on a metric that they called meaningful social interaction, which is essentially the amount of time you spend actively using Facebook. So, you know, Facebook has got some of the smartest people on the earth working for them, right? If you, tell, if yeah. you point some of the smartest people at a, at a, at a target, say, I'm going to pay you a bunch of money if you hit this target they're going to hit it so if you're incentivizing them to get people to spend as much time as possible on the platform they will get them to do it
0: and what's interesting is that this is where this is where we kind of find a distinction between what we were talking about last week and what facebook is doing in this case yeah so my initial thought when i heard about this was kind again i i told you i i I thought I was going to take more of a libertarian approach, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that, that uh, Hagen specifically emphasized was the fact that the algorithm is specifically created to prioritize bad shit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're talking about that, that's, that's when I start to think, well, at what point does regulation start to make sense? Now, I, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that individual people should be censored from from Facebook mm-hmm. or YouTube and we've we've talked about that plenty of times. Sure. Like I don't think their posts should be removed. I don't think that their posts should be like uh, that they should be banned for saying things. However, does the algorithm have to prioritize inflammatory shit like that? Mm-hmm. Why can't the algorithm, I don't know, focus on what was Posted most recently. Yeah,
1: or, yeah. Which is one of her recommendations is that it should be based on chronology, like it was back in yeah. the day. If you remember, that's what it used to. I Facebook, remember that it was just a feed of the stuff that your friends were posting and sharing in pretty much chronological order. I remember when they rolled out a big change, and all of a sudden, people were really confused because they would not see posts that they had, that their friends were talking about and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um. So so yeah, I. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and and I I would just like to take a second. I I'm sure that there are some aspects of you know Hagen's proposed solutions that I'd probably disagree with. Yeah, but for the most part,
1: mad credit to her. Seriously,
0: like whistleblowers deserve yeah. much more, like much more credit. Whistleblowers are often demonized, mm-hmm. um, and in some cases, when it's for the federal government, which by the way is in violation of federal law um locked up yeah uh now since this is you know this is a whistleblower in a private company i
1: there's but she could possible be possible civil problems but she probably sued, yeah.
0: wouldn't be you know she wouldn't be locked up yeah but i i just i do just want to say like credit to her for for coming forward about this stuff I, I like am.
1: and she's you know, done it in a really smart way like she's got a team of lawyers and these yeah. lawyers like are led by a former U S government whistleblower who is an attorney. And like, so it's like specifically focused on protecting her, making sure that this is done in the most effective way, preparing her for something like a testimony before Congress so that she is prepared to, you know, lead the horse to water, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and avoid getting mired in the kind of garbage that's usually just the makes up these conversations, um, when they talk to people like Zuckerberg, yeah. Yeah, it's it's serious credit to her, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, one potential solution that's been proposed and I have mixed feelings about this mm-hmm. would be um amending or getting rid of uh an old law called uh section 230 mm-hmm. which basically makes it so that social media companies cannot be sued over what their users post. Yeah. Now, it seems to me that the idea behind this is to amend it so that, if there are uh, if there are harmful impacts on people based on what the algorithm is recommending, mm-hmm. that they could potentially sue Facebook, yeah. which could hopefully force some self regulation because they don't want to get sued.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My only issue with that is. Like I don't I don't know how far that necessarily is is going.
1: Hmm. Like whether because Yeah, the whether they might just get swamped in in a bunch of frivolous lawsuits or something.
0: Well, no 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 not that. What I mean is like are we talking about amending it or are we talking about getting rid of it? Because mm. if we get rid of it, then we're basically saying that anybody that posts something that does harm to somebody else sure. on the platform can result in Facebook getting sued, which to me, it sounds like that's just going to result in more censorship. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want that. So if if we're talking about lawsuits based on the algorithm itself, that I can get more on board with. Yeah. Like if we're talking about amending the algorithms themselves, which is Facebook, it's not the people posting on it, that's Facebook. That's something that I'm, I feel like I can get behind.
1: Yeah, but I, th- I think that's what from my reading, that's what the proposals seemed like they were focused on. So it's yeah. like, it's not a blanket immunity from any type of civil suit, but it's one that tries to hold them accountable for the things, for the actions that they take, uh, to, you know, on these posts.
0: Yeah. Now it's such a, it's such a volatile and complicated situation. And it is, but there's it, so much that needs to get balanced. And yeah. I honestly, I thought I had a simple solution when I first heard of this mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. I, I, I got I I don't have much for you on this yeah. one.
1: I I don't know what the solution is. I think I think that is a really important thing to recognize because one of the big challenges here is the lack of information. There's a reason yeah. why why releasing thousands of documents is this huge revelation, right? Like it's because we didn't have that information before. So like some of these recommendations from Hagen are, are focused on like oversight getting academics access to um to uh facebook data all things like that so that we can start to get an understanding of this societally changing tool that is younger than i am and has fundamentally affected our society and we have no we have almost barely scratched the surface as to how like what kind of impact it's happening is having you know like and And these companies make changes that have these wide reaching impacts and the metrics they're measuring for success are meaningful social engagement, right? Our amount of time on the platform, not other things like, like, um, some internal documents have said like, so th- again, like they are paying attention to some of these things, but they're be- not being prioritized. So some internal documents, um, show that, you know, as we know, as studies have shown hate speech and, and misinformation, um, you know, are spread more quickly on these platforms. Um, as we've been talking about, like they, they, the core mechanics of the product emphasize uh, you know, and share those kind, that kind, those kinds of posts more widely. But interestingly, one fu- study of misinformation and polarization. Um, so they they found that it took just a few days for Facebook's algorithm to go from recommending, you know, a verified conservative, uh, you know, accounts like Fox News and Donald Trump once you liked them it only took a few days for them to start recommending conspiracy pages and less than a week for that user to get a qAnon recommendation <laughs> and and the thing is like according to that same document like the algorithm rewards posts on subjects like election fraud conspiracies they they get extra likes and shares and they surface them more and and quote The more negative comments a piece of content instigates, the higher likelihood for the link to get more traffic. So another document said, quote, the net result is that Facebook, taken as a whole, will be actively, if not necessarily consciously, promoting these types of activities. The mechanics of our platform are not neutral. I think that's, and I think that's huge, right? Like, because the assumption underpinning all the free speech, libertarian hands-off arguments is that it's us it's the users right we're going out there we're putting content in the world the scales are balanced and it's kind of a it's a it's a laissez-faire economy but it's not true it's they're not neutral they show you they show you the next most extreme thing Okay, and now it's time for our favorite segment, Ass Hat of, of the, the week. week. So, Nathan, who is our ass hat this week?
0: Well, Michael, our ass hat this week is a name that I had not heard in a long time, and a name that probably most people, even people that follow politics, um, haven't really heard at all Stephanie Grisham. Oh,
1: great. Stephanie Grisham, come on down. Yeah, what did she do to get on our show?
0: Well, so for those of you that don't know, and you cannot be blamed for not knowing, (laughs) uh, Stephanie Grisham was the Trump White House press secretary. And the reason why you might not know who she is is because one of the things that she was famous for as a White House press secretary was uh, never holding any televised briefings with any reporters.
1: Hmm. That's, um... (sighs) like a core part of the job
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so anyways stephanie grisham recently wrote this uh tell-all book about what it was like to work inside the trump white house and there are some insane revelations that she discusses she talks about how uh basically trump was just insane he was constantly getting he was constantly losing his temper that there was a there was a guy within the white house there was some staffer whose specific job it was to um to like play a specific song for trump to calm him down anytime anytime he got really angry (laughs) and apparently like at one point uh like when when um when the shit about stormy Daniels came out Mm -hmm. specifically when she came out and said, yeah, his, his, uh, his dick looks like a mushroom from, from Mario. Um, apparently Trump specifically called Stephanie Grisham on air force one to assure her that he, he, his penis was, was tremendous or whatever. Um, so anyways, (laughs) but it is spotted. (laughs) So anyways, it was, it was an example of all of the things that we, that we thought was happening inside of the Trump white house behind the scenes is exactly what we thought was happening. Now here is why she is an ass hat. It's 2021. Yeah. <laughs> it is 2021. All right. You were fucking complicit with this shit. Yeah. I'm so tired of Trump staffers, former Trump staffers coming out writing tell-all books, making a bunch of money off of it, getting cheered on by the media... Yep. When what they should be asking is, why the fuck didn't you say anything while he was in office? Yeah. Why didn't you do anything while he was in office? You were actively defending him while he was in office, and you were actively lying to the American people, claiming that shit like this, when other people would say, hey, this guy's crazy... That it wasn't happening. Yep. You were gaslighting the American people, and now that he's no longer president and it no longer benefits you, you write a tell-all money book please. and then make a bunch of money. <laughs> so fuck all the way off.
1: Yeah. Damn. That's, that's so screwed up, especially as, like, press secretary. It's like your literal yeah. job to like talk to the American people, <laughs> and you wait until after he's out of office in order to
0: do yeah. be- yeah, you didn't hold any. Uh, you don't didn't hold any press briefings to to tell the press like, "Hey, this guy's fucking nuts." Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm blinking Jesus. twice. That means he's holding me hostage. <laughs> <laughs> so, congratulations to Stephanie Grissom for being our
0: Asshat hat of, of the, the week. week.
1: So, for our last segment tonight, we are talking about. Uh, where the line is when uh we're protesting, specifically when we're like, you know, trying to be as convincing as possible to our elected representatives to do what we want them to do. And this was instigated by a recent occurrence um that happened to actually Kirsten Cinema in Arizona, where she was being followed by, you know, this group of protesters. She went into a restroom and they went in after her and like were like you know, protesting or whatever in the bathroom with her. Yeah. And so, and so like it got us thinking like, you know, is that okay? What, yeah. what, where, where should that line be yeah. about what's acceptable?
0: And what, what's kind of interesting is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this segment is cause I, I, uh, I talked to my wife about this after this happened, which y'all have heard her on here. <laughs> she's a firebrand. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, usually when it's Michael and me on the pod, I'm the more, uh, I'm more of a firebrand. I'm more of a bomb thrower. Mm -hmm. And then Jess comes on and suddenly I sound like the moderate. (laughs) (laughs) And so I asked her what her thoughts are. And I was actually kind of surprised that she was, she was making the argument that basically the bathroom is a sacred place you know, the, the bathroom is, is crossing a line. You know, you, you can, you can wait outside the bathroom or scream at her from outside of the bathroom. But as soon as you start filming inside the bathroom, even if you're not in like filming inside the stall, actually filming or piss, um, like that there is a line that is drawn there and that there's a certain amount of privacy that one should get from the bathroom. I don't think I agree with that though, at least not in this context. I think that I think that it's I think that there's a line and I think that this is really close to that line, but I would say that given the content of what they were protesting, given the fact that what they were protesting was the fact that her blatant corruption is leading her to fight against and potentially kill a bill or at least amend a bill because of her opposition to allowing um, to allowing the government to renegotiate pharmaceutical prices, people are going to die because of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that the question should be more of, should be less about, was it moral and more about, was it effective? Because I think, yeah, I think that she, well, well, first off um. When they first approached her, it was it was after she had just finished teaching. And they were like, Hey, can we can we talk to you for a second? And she was just like, I gotta go, and just ignored them and kept walking.
1: And what she meant was, I literally gotta go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Well, like like I think that in, in a situation like first off, you're a senator your constituency, so people that are in your constituency come up to you and want to talk to you. You talk to them. All right. You talk to them. Yeah. You know, maybe if you, if you actually had to go to the bathroom, you could be like, Hey, um, I'd love to talk to you, but just let me go to the bathroom real quick. And then we can talk about this. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I were elected representative, that's what I'd say. If I, if I had to pee, I'd be like, okay, could just, yeah, just wait what outside about the bathroom real two? quick.
1: <laughs> wait about, wait outside the bathroom for 10 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Anyways, just, just, I just be like, wait for me for a little bit. Wait outside the bathroom. I'll be right back and then we can talk. But she was just ignoring them. Yeah. She just said, I got to go. Like I, 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 have, I have to, like, I have to leave. And she was just ignoring them. And they were talking to her as she was walking saying, listen, why aren't you supporting this bill? Why aren't you supporting this bill? And what pisses me off is the fact that, like, she hasn't held any town halls. Mm-hmm. All right, she, from what I've heard, um, she almost never actually responds to people that call her office. The only way that you can get a meeting with her is if you're a corporate lobbyist. Mm. Yeah, or so, willing to
1: take the stall next to her.
0: <laughs> so, like, at this point how else is she going to hear what her constituency thinks and what they believe? You know, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are focusing on the fact that they followed her, that they followed her into a bathroom and were talking to her in a bathroom. And a lot of people are ignoring the fact that this was a Senator who conceivably is supposed to be like representing her constituency. And here her constituency was trying to talk to her and she just ignores them. Like, when they're when they were talking to her, there was there was one girl who was saying, "We need comprehensive immigration re- reform." I'm a dreamer, and last week my grandfather died in Mexico, and I I couldn't go and I couldn't go to the funeral hmm. because you know because I'm a dreamer, and you know the the implication was like she wouldn't have been allowed back in, which Kirsten Cinema has done nothing to address at this point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like this person was talking about her the fact that a policy that Kirsten Sinema has not been fighting for deeply affects her and sh- she just fucking ignored them. Yeah. As if as if it didn't, as if it was nothing, as if they were just flies buzzing around her, her ears. Like, I don't understand how people aren't pointing out the fact that, like, what type of fucked up person do you have to be to do that? You know, again, was it crossing a line? It was, if it wasn't crossing a line, it was pretty damn near a line. But I think that the reason behind the protest, in a lot of ways, I would say, at least on a moral level, justifies
1: what they did. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I, I don't know if you disagree. Um, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. I I understand the other side of it, but I, I guess I'm taking a more hardline stance yeah, on no, this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking about it a little bit. It's kind of like. I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to consider the bathroom in moral terms. Um, <laughs> but if I think about, like, a zone of privacy for our elected representatives, I want them to have that. Ultimately, like, this is a, their job. It's a very important job, and it's a job that they owe us to do well. Um, but it, I don't think that it's something that should invade every aspect of their lives and prevent them from being able to seek privacy. Um, And I don't think, you know, and I think that means that sometimes your constituents shouldn't be able to talk to you, right? Like, you know, you think of, like, if someone were to get a hold of her home phone number and just continuously call and harass. Like, I feel like I worry about the the level that that protesting as you get closer and closer to that line gets to like harassment or like vigilantism or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah. So like, I feel a little bit mixed at the same time. You know, I, I think I definitely hear your arguments loud and clear that like, how are we supposed to talk to you if you won't talk to us? You know, like you you yeah. empathize deeply with people that are just not being listened to and they, yeah. and they just need any venue to try to like get someone's attention. I, I get that. I think your point there is like on what's kind of most effective. What's the right remedy yeah. for a, a senator that isn't listening? Yeah. Ultimately, I think it's probably something like getting them out of office continuing to put pressure on them trying to lobby them things like that um but
0: continuing be to well protest she's them. up for re yeah,
1: yeah yeah it's true yeah it's true and like that's the issue yeah totally and, i think i think i don't really see might... too much of a difference between like standing outside the bathroom and going in the bathroom in terms of efficaciousness yeah and so like i i don't know if like the juice was worth the squeeze on this one, <laughs> so to speak. Well, but I do empathize with like their position, right? Like yeah. their emotional and politically precarious position with a senator who will not yeah. listen to them at all. Um, yeah. I think
0: yeah. I think I agree with you about the idea that there should be some level of privacy, but I think I I'm not completely with you on where that would be like if we're talking about a personal home like if someone broke into her house yeah then i'd be like yeah that's too far mm-hmm. like if someone was on her property sure uninvited yeah. i'd say yeah that's too far if someone was just off of her property screaming at her house i'd be like yeah go for it yeah i'm fine with that um and and i guess the reason for that is the the reason i would say that you know if we're talking about any if we're talking about public all right, you 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 mentioned the fact that, um, that their job is not necessarily every part of who they are, mm-hmm. and that's true. But the decisions that they make as politicians do affect other people in every part of who they are. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Because it can sometimes be life and death decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And if they're If they are corrupt and they are making decisions that can cause people to die because of that corruption, I think that they've basically sacrificed the benefit of the doubt. And I think they've also sacrificed the ability to go into a public place without being harangued by someone that's not okay with the fact that they're fucking corrupt.
1: Yeah. I think the public place is really the thing that makes the big difference for me as I think about that you know like i don't like when people talk to me you know at the urinal but like yeah. they're free to do it <laughs> it's a public room you know yeah. they're not free to try to share the urinal or yeah. or lo- whatever And they didn't and, they yeah didn't. yeah and so i think i think that is really what kind of makes you know that's actually what makes me as i think about it more kind of most empathetic to your position is like yeah she's a person acting in public the restroom outside the stall is ostensibly a public space. What's the yeah. difference between someone ha- chatting with you in the next stall and someone, yeah. you know, yeah. like protesting your, your, your behavior yeah. in there.
0: I think that one of the things that Jess didn't like was the fact that they were filming. Sure. And I get that, but it's not like they were filming her. Yeah. Like, it's not like they were filming her while she was actually doing her business. Yeah. You know, if, if they were, I'd be like, yeah, that that's, that's a violation. That's too far. Um, but they weren't doing that again. They were, they were outside of the stall.
1: Yeah. Not cool. Quite annoying. But, but I think, I think your point is like, yeah, that I, it's probable that our that, um, being in a public place, beholden to the public probably extends to all public places. Private places are probably something different. Um, yeah, private acts in private places that are inside public places like a stall are probably different, but like, yeah. I think, I think you're right that. And I think that's a, I think that's an important point is like, we should expect our public representatives in public to be accessible to us. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, this was a, this was a conversation that kept being had over, uh, during the Trump administration when like, officials from the Trump administration would be in restaurants and people would come up to them and harass them. Yeah. And my position back then was basically, look, if you're, if you're actively fucking up the country, Mm -hmm. like you should expect some people to be pissed at you. Now, the argument that a lot of people are going to make to that is okay. But what if it was Bernie, you know, like what if, what if someone followed Bernie into a bathroom or AOC or what if someone like was we're uh, harassing Bernie at a, at a table at a restaurant. And I guess for me, I I'm focused more on the content of what a person is protesting. Like the thing about Bernie is that he's principled enough to where if someone did come up to him and we're trying to ask him about his position or ask him about a decision that he's making, he doesn't need to pretend that he doesn't need to pretend that he has their best interest in mind. He actually does Mm -hmm. like he, he's not corrupt, you know? Like, yeah, sometimes he might make decisions that I disagree with, but he's not corrupt. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't really have anything to hide, you know, which is what, so if we're talking about somebody that, um, if we're talking about somebody like that, I feel like a heckler would be somebody that you would, be able to pretty easily handle. I am so transparent. I
1: pee with the door open.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to hide. <laughs> so, so, you know, and again, cause I was, cause I was also trying to put myself in, you know, in again, in Kirsten cinema shoes, like if I were, cause, cause I'm a teacher. Yeah. You know, I am a teacher as well. And I was trying to ask myself, so if I was a Senator and also, you know, still a teacher, um, and I were teaching a class and someone showed up outside the door at one of my classes to ask me about some vote, um, what would I do? And again, my first thought was, well, if I have to go to the bathroom, then I'm, if I really have to go to the bathroom and that's what I need to do, I'd just be like, okay, I I wanna hear what you have to say, because again, they're they're my constituency. I wanna hear what you have to say, <laughs> but I really need to run to the bathroom right now. Or if I have another class to get to, I might be like, okay, um, I do want to hear what you have to say, but I do have to get to my other class. So, you know, maybe I, I give them a, I give them a number, you know, I give them a number to a, to an office, sure. um, like to, to, to one of my office assistants and just be like, Hey, you know, you can schedule a time to call me and I'm willing to talk to you. Cause I, I, I want to, I would want to be transparent and I would want to be there when my constituency has, uh, has questions, you know, and yeah, I might have some place to be, but I, I would have no problem um, trying to just trying to tell someone, hey, you know, if you if you really want to talk to me about this, I'm fine with that um, here. Here's here's the number for one of my staffers uh, and we can potentially s- schedule a time for you to give me a call or I can give you all a call or yeah, like like whatever, because I I want to be transparent. Um, And, and, and as I was thinking that I was. I was also remembering the fact that the reason why people did this in the first place was because she was never making herself available to her constituency. Yeah. 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 So even it would have been easy if for I her w- to
1: mitigate this. Yeah. Call me at so, this time, you know, yeah.
0: even if I were in that position, I feel like a person who is, who actually cares about their constituency actually cares about who they're representing would never be in that position in the first place where the only way that people can talk to them is by showing up outside their fucking classroom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point to like, that's a way more reasonable takeaway from this whole thing than like, like also like, what are we going to do? I oh, guess we won't follow her into a bathroom or whatever, but yeah. like, what are we going to sanction wouldn't. the <laughs> protesters that did? You know, it's like it's not anything we'd actually do anything about. What we should be focusing on is Kirsten Cinema being so inaccessible that her constituents go to extreme lengths to try to get attention. All right. And with that, we will end the show as we usually do with our highlights. So Nathan, what's your highlight this week?
0: So my highlight this week is actually a preemptive highlight mm. or nice. preemptive highlight.
1: I yeah, we usually talk about we usually Anticipatory highlight. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and that is that um, this Sunday, for the first time since my wife had her surgery, uh, we're going to be going to visit uh, my nieces in oh, West Virginia. Awesome. And it's, it's been a long time since I've seen them. We're going we're gonna to have uh, like a, a Sunday dinner it's been a long time since I've seen them. I've really missed them and, you know, always excited to see them and they're always excited to see me and, you know, just, I just, I just can't wait to spend some time with them. That's awesome. That's great, yeah. dude.
1: What about you, Mike? What's yours? Similar one, actually. I'm uh, so this weekend I'm going camping with my brother and his wife and their two kids and my wife. And so we'll all get to hang out and camp and hike and hang out and stuff. And it's going to be really fun. It might, be, it might be one of the last camping trips of the year as it starts getting colder. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And with that, thank you so much for listening to The Perspectrum, and you'll hear from us again next week.